You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the Rand Corporation. I'm Deanna Lee. And I'm Evan Banks. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from Rand's latest research and commentary. It's March 13th. The new coronavirus, or COVID-19, has now spread to more than 110 countries and nearly every state in the U.S., On Wednesday, the World Health Organization declared the outbreak a global pandemic. As infections continue to rise in many parts of the world, and as officials take more serious steps to stop the spread of the virus, many are wondering exactly how lethal this new disease is. The truth is, it's hard to know. According to RAND experts, early in an outbreak, even good estimates of how fatal a disease is can be too high or too low. It's easy to overestimate the fatality rate because the number of confirmed cases is likely lower than the true number of infections. But it's also easy to underestimate the fatality rate when there is a large number of known cases that are unresolved, meaning those with the disease who have not yet either recovered or died. The relatively good news is that there's reason to suspect that early calculations of the coronavirus fatality rate are overestimating the probability that someone who contracts the virus will die. This is largely because the medical system is probably confronting and diagnosing more severe cases and deaths than mild cases. In other words, there may be many more mild cases that have gone undetected, in which case the fatality rate could end up being lower than current estimates suggest. Regardless of what the true fatality rate ends up being, and it's important to note that we won't know that until every case of the coronavirus has been resolved, understanding how and why these numbers evolve is important. It can enable more transparent reporting about the pandemic and ultimately help avoid the erosion of public trust. Staying with the coronavirus for a moment, Rand researchers are also focusing on what the disease could mean for the U.S. healthcare system in the coming days and weeks. Unfortunately, the growing number of coronavirus cases are introducing new capacity challenges at a time when the system is already under considerable stress. Many hospitals and healthcare systems across the U.S. routinely operate at or near capacity. Our experts warn that a coronavirus surge could create serious problems as patients pour into medical facilities with acute health care needs that community clinics just aren't able to handle. Hospitals would do well to lean on preparedness efforts that were developed for Ebola and other past infectious diseases. And it's impossible to overstate the importance of prompt screening and isolation of suspected cases. Strict screening protocols that take place right when a patient arrives could help reduce the spread of coronavirus in areas like waiting rooms, where patients would otherwise be in close proximity to one another. It's also important to look beyond good clinical practice and remember the human side of this public health crisis. During an outbreak, the spread of disease is often accompanied by the rapid spread of unreliable information. This can have serious consequences. Messaging from healthcare systems, local public health agencies, and federal authorities needs to be closely coordinated to avoid confusion and unnecessary public fear. We hope that all of you are taking the appropriate steps to protect yourselves and your families and limit the spread of the coronavirus. 
We plan to keep releasing new episodes of this podcast, so keep checking your feeds on Fridays and we'll share more expert insights on the pandemic as it evolves. Now, let's shift gears a bit and turn to an interesting RAND report released this week. The study focuses on limiting what hospitals can collect for out-of-network care. The authors found that this approach could produce savings similar to more sweeping healthcare proposals, such as Medicare for All. They modeled four different approaches to capping out-of-network billing. Under a strict cap, the prices hospitals negotiate could be cut by 31 to 40 percent. This would save an estimated $108 billion to $124 billion annually. Capping out-of-network charges would arguably be less heavy-handed than something like Medicare for All, says lead author Aaron Duffy. That's because it doesn't impose rates on all providers, nor does it shift the source of health insurance coverage for a large share of the nation's population. Finally, while this approach could benefit patients who are facing rising health care costs, there are important implications on hospitals to consider. Capping out-of-network charges will affect hospital operations and revenues, which could, in turn, disrupt or decrease the quality of patient care. That's why any cap would need to be set carefully. We'll leave you today with some exciting news about RAND. This week, we launched Tomorrow Demands Today, a $400 million fundraising campaign, the largest in RAND history. The campaign is focused on advancing five bold priorities. First, something we discuss regularly on this show, countering truth decay, the diminishing role of facts and analysis in American public life. Truth decay is a complex problem that threatens policymaking and democracy. Finding solutions will require research and analysis, which will inform action from policymakers, media companies, and individuals. Number two, rethinking and retooling institutions. Today's political and economic environment requires a broad rethinking of the institutions and arrangements that have defined everything from banking, economic development, and commerce to defense, law enforcement, and human rights. That's a huge undertaking, but RAND research can help chart a path forward. The third priority of the campaign is strengthening and safeguarding communities. At the local level, communities are already experiencing global problems. Addressing the spread of infectious disease is one example that's obviously at top of the mind at the moment, but there are so many more. Rising social and economic inequity, poor quality education, a lack of jobs, problems within the criminal justice system, providing health care for an aging population. RAND researchers can work closely with communities to tackle the issues that matter most to them. Fourth, a successful campaign will help cultivate the next generation of policy leaders through our graduate school, Party Rand. The school will be an engine of new ideas and talent, as well as a vital platform for new tools and strategies. And finally, funds will focus on agility and support Rand's ability to act quickly when fast-breaking situations arise. We launched this campaign to continue to uphold Rand's commitment to the public good. Our mission is to tackle today's most pressing policy challenges and to make individuals, families, and communities throughout the world safer and more secure, healthier, and more prosperous. To learn more about how you can get involved, go to campaign.rand.org. Thank you. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis. 
For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. We'll see you next week.